0: It's the Britpop Show. It's that time of week again where you get your dose of the 90s. And if you were listening last week, you'll know that we had part one of our interview with Daniel Rachel and Simon Fowler from Ocean Colour Scene. So guess what we got this week? That's right, we got part two after this.
1: I get in the final last shop The make, I swear they the always mown, mown, it's not cheap, cheaper still, cheaper still down the street. Lose my rag and tell and take it back and shop down there. Closing down, the closing down another road. One way, Seston steals the show. Mac the nap wakes a can of sings a day. away. there's more life, my life, my life. And a tram's mess. Backlash the wheat, bring back the legs, wear a lipstick lips, the teeth, make up, we make up a crappy joke. Sit back, relax, and have a smoke. Mack the Knife swigs that kind of things that they are wearing. more life, more life, more life.
0: most famous person on your phone it's the both of you but daniel surely you haven't got tony blair on your phone i
2: don't
3: have a phone oh okay i don't use use it i used to have um i used to have pete townsend and noel on my phone and it was stolen from a hotel in liverpool it was actually steve sent me noel's number i was trying to get in touch with noel he couldn't find it and i I said you must have it and he looked again phoned me back and said oh yeah he put it under mole Misspelt it, he'd got it as Noel <laughs> Gallagher.
0: Oh, yeah, Gallagher in there as well, but still couldn't find it.
3: <laughs>
0: oh. Do you still need to speak to Noel? Because if he's listening...
3: No, 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 it was to see if I could uh, get some pals of mine on a guest list, oh, which we did.
0: I've asked that question of quite a few people, and um, Alan McGee had Joaquin Phoenix was a, was quite a good one. I've got Alan on my phone. It's not as good as Joaquin Phoenix, though, is he? My best,
2: best one was Lee Mather oh, That oh, was Lee
3: Mavis. Oh, that's good. That's cool. I like that.
2: To get Steve to play drums for Lee Mathers, so we do a new Lars album. Oh, really? Yeah, look I, was, good, wouldn't it? So I spoke to Lee, and, I, and Lee was saying he couldn't find a drummer. And, uh, and I was saying, Look, I know this sounds a bit odd, but you know the way that Paul McCartney is as a guitarist can play great drums. I said, Well, Steve can play great drums. Why don't why you try that? And he said, Well, g- give him the number. So I told Steve. Yeah, Steve would have been good with Lee Mathers. Yeah, so yeah. I told Steve who's nuts on the Lars. Um, there's a good link to the Lars and, and the writing of 100 My, My High City, by the way. That's another story. Uh, but, uh, but Lee, uh, so, and then about a few weeks later, I said to Steve, what happened when you spoke to Lee? And, uh, and he said he was too scared to phone. Him. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he eventually did phone. Him. <laughs> and, uh, and I think he was meant to go up, but he didn't go. He didn't do it. Uh, oh,
0: come on.
2: Because we've had, we've had Sonia from
0: Mecca Belly said at one time she had Madonna on her phone. You're not going to beat that, are you? Right.
3: I've interviewed Muhammad Ali.
0: Oh, well, you are going to beat it. You just did. Does that count?
3: <laughs> and I've made a record with Paul McCartney.
0: I, I both beat Madonna. In my book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about your book in a minute. Before we move on to 100 Mile City, Lars, what's that story?
2: I remember walking down to the studio and I heard this extraordinary noise coming uh, instrumentally for, and, and I couldn't work out if it was like a 70s rock band or some kind of mad dance thing. And it was um, that eventually became 100 Mile High City. And I remember asking Steve because he wrote predominantly the music for that and uh, w- where the inspiration came. And he said it came from two sources. One was uh, Firestarter by Prodigy and the other was Swashbuckler by Lars, if any of your listeners know that song. I, w- I might play it right now yeah it's a great song and uh and so you'll hear it immediately and it was just something they used to do live but steve's party piece before uh, at that point was doing the last song all right and he used to sing it on the guitar it was great he sang it really well and then that, that of course became cast's first single Or was yes. it second, first second single was, it was fine time great. fast or all right
0: uh it's a good question which i should know i think it was fine it was time fast. wasn't it yeah because yeah. sandstorm i think sandstorm was the best one off that album it's a great it's a great song love that song yeah
1: so what's it all about do you really want to know do you want to get hard do you just want to take it all alone cause you gotta let it out if you want to let it in i let a little bit of love on I'll make it all begin You gotta find time, pick the right time and make a change Cause you just to five times the right time and make a change So when you're gonna learn That it takes all sorts Don't you think I'd like to be a little dry If we have the same thoughts Cause you're taking all the good But you leave me with a bad. If you like don't make a change pretty soon Don't open up and have
0: Before we move on to talk about the book, just a couple of really cheesy questions to both of you. Favorite Britpop song?
3: Do the Lars count? I don't suppose they do. do you I you
0: count well. whatever you want.
3: Anything by the Lars, really? I actually really do like Common People. I just think it's got a it's got a nice style, sense of its own sort of uh, style about that song, and I thought the video was quite funny. My mum's favourite Pulp song, that one. Mm, I thought it was good. Uh, he's got his... His voice is great on it as well, I think. I like, I like, I like, uh, I like him. He's well, Jarvis
0: great. has just done a book. I saw him at the Cheltenham Literature Festival. Why weren't you guys at the Cheltenham Literature Festival? Uh, good pop. Incidentally, yeah.
2: when I, when I spoke to Jarvis for Don't Look Back in Anger, he told me that the girl didn't want to sleep with him in co- co- Common People. He wanted to sleep with the girl.
0: As always, always the way in life. <laughs> <laughs>
3: always the way.
2: That's um, where you always used to dress up.
3: Mine's All Right by Supergrass. All Right by Supergrass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I love that. I love Supergrass, yeah.
0: And then, favourite ocean colour scene song. Blimey, O'Reilly. And just to just to let you know, whatever you say will be wrong from for everybody.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I quite like uh, "Fleeting Mind." I think that's quite an, a, a unique song. Um, I tend to like the, the ballads really. Uh, one of my favourite songs is um, is the way that Oscar and I do the circle live. We do it with him playing piano and me singing as a as a ballad and. Uh, I like that very much
4: Saturday. Afternoon, the sunshine falls like wine. But I know the go and you Could turn well,
0: Tell us about this book.
2: It's uh, One for the Road, the lives and lyrics of Simon Fowler and Ocean Colour Scene. And it's, uh, Simon talks through all the the genesis of all of the songs he wrote for Ocean Colour Scene. Well, it's an anthology, there's 69 songs, so many of Ocean Colour Scenes. And then uh, about 13 unreleased songs uh, and some fanatic songs as well. And it's in the format of a conversation between Simon and I kind of because it's a story of friendship, I guess. And uh, you know, Simon was aware of me when I was five and we became friends really when we was, I was 16. And then for a large part of our teenage years and 20s, we, we were living together and hanging out and doing a lot of stuff. And then we've been friends ever since. So, so there's a lot of stories and um, memories to kind of share that bring, that bring to life Simon's life as a musician that's hopefully what we've done in in words and pictures and so
0: it's 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 not just words there's pictures there it's it it looks like a real kind of thing that you can get into just really lose yourself in but also it's also like a coffee table thing where people will pick it up and go oh that's interesting
2: it's really beautiful it's heavy and beautiful it's kind of just short of 300 pages and there's kind of probably 300 400 images and i would as the guest that probably 80% of those have never been seen before. I've got tons of uh, Simon's handwritten lyrics, original lyrics that, you know, I used to scrape off the floor or from the studio or wherever. And, and then just lots of ephemera that I've somehow collated over the years. And it's, it's been kind of exciting to pull it all out of dusty drawers and squeaking cupboards and collate it all and bring it all together. Yeah, it's looking really great at the moment. And, and the, I'm sure it's will tell you in a second, but there's an exciting part of it. Is there's a, um, a seven-inch single comes with it with a couple of songs that nobody's ever heard before.
3: Well, there's the original version of... Um, Foxy Soapface. Yeah, Foxy Soapface, which was originally just called I. And, um, and there's a song called The American Way of Life. I recorded them probably in 85 when I was 20, just into a tape player. And uh, we had them sort of tarted up. Well, not, not tarted up, just sort of, sort of mastered, I guess. Um, the studio with a, a friend of mine in, uh, in my area, a guy called Matt Terry. And yeah, so we've put them out um, a sort of limited edition as a, as a, a single of four, 45.
2: Amazing, amazing. So when's it out? You can buy it when you can pre-order it now. You know, at the Ocean Colors scene website. Uh, and then it, it physically gets delivered just in time for Christmas. Amazing. But the recordings are really, really exciting. I, I, I found this tape that Simon made, as you just mentioned, and there's, a, there's near 20 songs on it. And it, to my mind, it'd be like if Noel Gallagher suddenly said, I've got this tape I did four years before. Definitely. Maybe there's about three or, some, three or four songs on it. You'll know. And the rest I forgot I'd written. And <laughs> You'd be going, I need to hear that tape. Yeah. It, and it's exactly that, just Simon Raw acoustic guitar, voice into this tape player, it sounds amazing. And, uh, and there's a kind of a, you know, the voice changes, the singing voice changes so much uh, in short amounts of time. And I think to capture what, his, what Simon's voice was like in the mid eighties is, is really, really special. And it's got a, an intensity to it and a youthfulness to it. That you can't—that he could—that that and change, but you're, it was never what this was then, and it's—it's it's really worth hearing. It's great. A lot of Lou Reed and Dylan impressions with it, but
3: uh... yeah, and a lot of David Bowie impressions. Yeah. <laughs> too Very many, cool. too many to be honest. I, I think it is—it captures me trying to find my own voice. I think I tell you what—I am surprised at that though, because I've been mm. listening to it quite a lot. I think I was actually a better guitar player then than I am now. I just think I used to rehearse and play a lot more. I'm quite surprised at some of the, um, some of the guitar licks that I do, and I thought, blimey, O'Reilly, I couldn't get away trying that now.
2: Yeah, while you've still got calluses on your fingers, you can still play. Yeah. <laughs> What's really interesting, uh, David, is that the time that Simon was doing this, Steve was on the scene in, in a band called uh, Deadline and then The Boys. And also Damon was in a band called Transaction, in a band called um, Lilac Time, not the Stephen Duffy one. And, so, and they were, the three of them were all playing on the same bills. And I think that's, and there's a, a poster in the book where the, the first act is Transaction, Damon. Deadline, Steve's band, Great Betrayal, me and Simon. And so the three people. Yeah. How <laughs> was that gig, then? Can you remember? The Mermaid.
3: The Mermaid, blimey, O'Reilly. We were living the high life, weren't we, Christ?
2: And Steve and his dad, Chris Craddock, who managed Ocean Colour were desperately trying to get Simon to join with Steve and do something together. You know, to try and get him. You know, go to Coventry, record a demo. Come and come and do a guest spot with us. You know, just leave them. There. Your band's rubbish. You know, all these different <laughs> these, these different devices. And Simon was very loyal to, to friendship at that point, which is, I don't know, maybe was a mistake, but. It was a a a, a, um, a lovely thing to be at that point.
0: So we, we have a lot of people who listen to the Britpop show abroad. Lots of people in America, lots of people in Japan. Can they get hold of this also through the Ocean Colour Scene website? Are you shipping abroad?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody in the world can get the book. You know, you just place your order. And um, and because it's we've done it in a kind of a set up our own um, like DIY setup, if you like. Uh, yeah. um, and so, yeah, you, you just do the links through the Ocean Colour Scene website. And then you just order the book and, hey, presto, you you pull out you pull it out from under the tree <laughs> oh,
0: there you, there you <laughs> go absolutely the, it's, the, it's the
2: world of ocean color scene you know in full technicolor
0: I personally can't wait to get a hold of a copy um and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will as well is there anything you'd like to say about the book before I just briefly finish off with talking about your upcoming gigs
2: i mean if there's i mean i know you said mostly males listen to this show but i'm sure there must be some girls that like Britpop <laughs> listening but um i've had a couple of comments from people about the drafts who the women and they're saying the thing they noticed most was that it's very unusual for men of of a of, uh, of our age to talk positively about male friendships And they said that's what comes through more than anything. In a way, even if you weren't into the music, to hear two guys talking about a friendship. Mm,
3: It's a nice point. It's a nice point. Also, you'll be staggered at just how beautiful I was.
2: (laughs) I'm sure we won't be staggered.
3: Front cover photograph. I don't know what happened to that lad, but I think I ate him.
0: I remember Ricky Gervais saying something similar that he was, he was when he was directing his first film. There was a guy there; he was about twenty-five, and he showed him a photo of him when he was twenty-five, and he said, "Look, look at me now. This is what's in the post. <laughs> this
3: is this yeah, is coming." I've seen pictures of Ricky Gervais. He was like a new romantic wannabe, yeah. wasn't he? And you practically would not recognise him. Yeah, Mackenzie Crook used to be the. Uh... He was the darling of the, um, the music club that uh, Dan and I used to go to. He, was, um, he used to do a slot every week, didn't he? As yeah. Charlie Cheese. And obviously he ended up as, um, as Gareth in the office and has now gone on to Pirates of the Caribbean, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> and he, used be, he used to be around with us in Brum. I didn't know he was a Brummy. I don't think he is. I don't think he is, but uh, he must have been living around that place because he was, he was there every, was it every fortnight, I think the
2: club yeah, was? fortnight, yeah.
3: It's called the water rats.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: near Edgebaston
2: Reservoir. Uh, yeah, you shot the video for one of these those days. It was called the retort, wasn't it? Yeah. Or the trotter, if you read it backwards.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So tell us about these upcoming gigs, you're doing some with just you and Oscar,
3: how did that concept come about? We've been doing it for 20 years, um, I think it initially we used to do it when Steve was off with Paul, and it's a way to portray the songs, I think more, um, more as they were written, really. As, as, as I say, um, a song like um, The Circle comes across pretty much as I would sit down and play it to you on a guitar.
0: So is Oscar on drums, or is he on a cajon? No, something?
3: no, he plays he plays uh, piano and bass, and he plays, a, he plays a bit of percussion as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we didn't, it, we didn't do it for ages, but we've got some next year, in Oscar. Simon and Oscar,
0: you are playing 16th of February Stroud, which is very close to me. I'll be at that one.
3: Oh, um, great. Oh, so come and say hello, then.
0: I will do it. Nice right?
3: venue, that is. I saw PPR Arnold there when Steve Spandwell back in here. So it's a nice venue. Uh, you're playing
0: 17th Coventry and 18th February Bexhill. And, of course, the band... Are playing 15th of December Bristol, which I will also be at, um, 16th Leeds, 17th Liverpool, 20th Edinburgh, 21st Newcastle. There's something special about gigs that are very close to Christmas.
3: Yeah, it pays for Christmas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it, pay, it pays for this book that I'm going to have to get under the tree. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. I think that people probably get them as Christmas, Christmas presents as well from uh, you know, their families and their.
0: Uh, it's it a slightly fun. different atmosphere though.
3: Uh, i don't i don't know really um i haven't it hasn't crossed my mind to be honest obviously i, don't, I really don't know um but uh, we're, we're basically we're playing places that we haven't played so sort of recently so we're playing edinburgh as opposed to glasgow we're not playing brum yeah. we're not playing london yeah um so we're gonna go say hello of people that we haven't seen for a while so
0: that's a very nice thing to do And have you got any new music coming up? What's the future
3: hold? Well, there's plans, sort of um, tentative plans to do some of the the songs that Daniel was talking about, which date back to 85, um, to do them and and new versions of those, possibly, with some old versions thrown in to perhaps do an album. Um, And I'm going to do them with with my my mate Matt Terry and maybe with Tom Clark from a band called The Enemy. But I'm, I've got a load of lyrics hanging around. Um, I, ha- I haven't been writing uh, recently, to be honest. But uh, there is plans afoot to um, to do an album and maybe do it uh, this time next year. hey um, for Christmas. Um, we've we just we've just teamed up with with, with um, Alan McGee. Alan McGee is managing us now. So um, I think we've got a, a new sort of impetus, really, new yeah. momentum. Hopefully,
0: but well, that will be very very welcome news to our listeners. Daniel, once this book's out, what, what do you do? Do you Take a bit of a breather and then move on to the next topic. And have you picked that topic yet?
2: I've I've pretty much completed the story of two tone records, uh, which I've been writing over the last year or so. And again, I've kind of met virtually everybody who was ever in a two tone band, and uh, and then all the people record label Chrysalis and the people behind the scenes. And yeah, it's uh, it's just with Jerry Dammers at the moment. He's just doing his final kind of um, contributions, and uh, um, yeah, so I'm very excited about that because. Uh, like Oscar, I was a rude boy first time around. And so that's my, one of my big passions. Too. And,
0: and, and so uh, if people aren't quite sure what to put on their Christmas list uh, and they like a bit of uh, Britpop, which our listeners do, what books, presumably you don't know back in anger, what other books have you done that, that maybe they should stick on their Christmas list?
2: No, I've done that relate really to the 90s. When yeah. I did Oasis at Nedworth with Jill Firminosky, um, which was, uh, um, uh, have you seen that, David? It's I was at
0: Nebirth in the 90s, if that's what you mean.
3: No, no, I meant the book. The book's fantastic. It, it really is, is a superb book, yeah.
2: Well, I I, I went to... G- Jill Farnoski photographed Oasis from the very early days all the way through to pretty much the end. Yeah. And, uh, and and so I suggested it to Jill. And she said, I don't really know what I shot. And so we kind of raided her cupboards. Had, like, hundreds of unseen photographs of the, of the whole thing. And then I kind of spoke to Noel and their management, and, and they, they backed us massively. And um, the book is, yeah, it was really beautifully done. Big coffee table book. And just Jill's photography is magnificent. So many great shots of all of them, you know, backstage um, in the preparations when they were rehearsing in Birmingham, you know, a bit, and, and then part of the summer tour at Loch Lomond beforehand. Um, and then I, 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 for the text, I, I wanted to create the what made Nebworth happen, and so I, m- I went and spoke to loads of people that were behind the scenes, like the t-shirt seller or the person that responsible for the guest list, or you know all these different kind of, or the lighting guy and all the people that work with Oasis um, and, and and more directly with Noel, like like the string players and the people like that, and get all their stories that i would never read about before, and bring it all together with Noel's voice, obviously. And um, so yeah, I was really pleased about that. And, of course, Ocean Coliseum were supported on the Saturday and were at Loughman before that. In fact, I, I, I said to you, didn't I say, you know, what, do you ever get nervous, uh, Nebworth, do you ever get nervous stepping out in front of 125,000 people? Do you remember what you said? I was petrified, yeah.
3: I actually got Chris Craddock's camera, what we used to call a cine camera, and uh, I said, how do you use this? And he said, just press that button. So I walked to the front of the stage and filmed the crowd and the crowd all responded fantastically to that. And I sort of lost my nerves otherwise. I mean, I was shaken.
0: Well, I, I was there. You probably saw me waving.
3: Yes, I do remember yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Distinctively. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> day, though, you had a shave that day, hadn't
2: you? Simon said, oh, do we get scared stepping in front of a quarter of a million people? Got... And he said, no, no, it's all right. There's four of us.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, it's all right. It's four of us, like, you know. But there is one of the most extraordinary photographs that Jill took of Nebworth, she takes it on stage uh, looking at, uh, across Oasis. And if you look at the audience, there's not a single phone. Yeah. Uh, and every one of those 125,000 caught for a million over two days are uh, completely in the moment, giving everything to the band and to the moment. And that's what I think made nebworth one of the most important cultural events of the decade
4: yeah.
2: he's, 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 were there mobile phones were they invented well oh, they? they were they've been invented in the mid-80s but no, they were they. <laughs> <laughs> i mean
0: they, they, my my mate at university so this was 92 to 96 he had a mobile phone because he was a, a magician he went through university as a magician and he needed it for bookings but everybody was like oh my god what's that no one had one yeah. No, you know, and
3: and they didn't have cameras in the mid '90s. That would be the thing. That's no, they bad. didn't have cameras, did they? I mean, I
0: remember. And in fact, I went to I went to a gig recently. It wasn't that recent. It wasn't that recent. It was 2012. Went to a gig. It was a Blur gig just before the Olympics, and it was in um, Wolverhampton. And that was like going back to the '90s because people were crowd surfing. People, no one had their mobile phones out. It, it was they were they were they were giving it like like you used to in the '90s.
2: Yeah. I don't think people crowdsurfed at Nebworth as I remember. It wasn't that kind of an audience. I
3: don't remember that. No, I don't think, I think they
0: did. I don't. I think you're right, but I think that's largely because if you crowdsurfed at Nebworth, you would never find your mates again.
2: Also, you don't want to crowdsurf on a knee. Really?
0: <laughs> well, and also the thing about crowdsurfing is, especially at an Oasis gig, is it's, it's there's a lot of blokes there who are just going to give you a punch.
3: But what about if you got pulled out and yeah. sent home? Yeah. Yeah. It would have been terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, walking home from Stevenage
2: as well. The stand that didn't sell anything was this guy had come up with this idea of binoculars, and uh, he got Oasis written on them, and they folded down, and he had a little like a um, uh, what's that a puppet show called uh, at the seaside? The um, Punch, Punch and Judy. But he had a Punch and Judy style stand to sell these binoculars, and he's the only person that didn't raise enough money to pay for <laughs> pay the deposit back. So, so how do we get hold of this book well that's everywhere i mean that's i mean that became a sunday times bestseller it's extraordinary I've dare, never...
0: dare we go to dare we go to amazon and get it
2: well you can do yeah i mean i i mean just as a, as a from an author's point of view i would not uh, recommend anybody to buy from a uh, bookshop uk because it's a uh, it's the website for all independent bookshops in britain yeah. and you you if you buy from there you're effectively buying from an, from an indie you know wilson, daniel wilson
0: yeah. So, so bookshop UK is where people should yeah, go and work kept-
2: a UK bookshop. I mean, if I Google search, but yeah, and then every, every, they, they pull the money from every sale. And then that is shared amongst all the independent bookshops. And I think to the a percentage of the author as well. So it's a great idea. And it's just something to try and say Amazon isn't the only way to, to buy the S country.
0: Right, well, in which case, that's what I will be doing. And your book, I will be going straight to the Ocean Colour Scene website and getting that now, just in time for Christmas. Thank you, guys. That's been amazing. Um, Thank you very much. Thank you, David. So there we have it, our interview with Simon Fowler of Ocean Colour Scene and Daniel Rachel. I hope you enjoyed it, both parts one and two. And all that remains for me to say is, until next week, see you on the flip side.
1: Woo! Yeah.